0: Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the following. We pray. That through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you grant us three things. One, the spirit of wisdom. Second, revelation in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, that you combine both of them to cause the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened, that we may know. Know you, know what you have done, and also know what you have done on our inside we pray O oh Lord that the outcome of your word produces that simple trusting faith in you the faith that moves mountains and we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ of Nazareth and everybody said Amen, Amen. the struggle I face is not to roll off the back of those testimonies because they were remarkable. Without a doubt, they were remarkable. And the, you'll understand why they are remarkable in a moment. And so ladies and gentlemen, as you realize we have spoken at different times over the last few weeks, in the last few years, about God doing something new, God taking us into a new season. And truly, ladies and gentlemen, this is the year of the turnaround, without a doubt. It is the year of the turnaround. But let me say this first, and so if you're taking notes, kindly write this down. Turnarounds never happen in isolation. Let me repeat myself. Turnarounds where God takes things from one place to another never happen happen in isolation the reason i say that ladies and gentlemen is this when god is about to take you into the unfamiliar that means your tomorrow does not look like your today he will invariably prepare you for it that means when a turnaround comes that is the celebration that is the public acknowledgement ...of a process that God has taken you through to ensure that when the turnaround comes, you will be successful. So that you will get everything he wants you to have. And so ladies and gentlemen, you will realize that turnarounds do not happen in isolation. They happen as part of a process. As you heard this morning, so eloquently put... And so, ladies and gentlemen, this morning we're going to speak briefly about preparation. We're going to speak about the element of preparation and we're also going to speak about the element of turnaround, as you will see in a moment. And so, we've said this, turnarounds do not happen in isolation. They happen as part of a process. And so, let's look at that process, ladies and gentlemen. The next thing I would like you to write down in your notes is this. God wants you prepared. Let me repeat myself. God wants you prepared. That means it is God's intention that by the time he is done, you will be totally prepared for what he is about to do next. Because God is on your side. And so we realize that God will prepare you for it. He will prepare you for where you're going, who you are, and what you are. And I would like to dive into the details of what preparation looks like. But let me tell you a story first. The story is about one of the people that we will talk about a lot this year. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to do is come with me. Throw your mind back to way before Jesus has gone to the cross. Way before the miracles have happened. And I want you to walk with me into Jerusalem. And a young boy, about 13 years old, is walking with his parents for the first time. He's just completed his bar mitzvah, so he is part of the Jewish nation. He walks into the temple in Jerusalem and it is a buzz. His eyes are wide and he takes in everything. While his parents are going through the normal motions and of what happens in Jerusalem at that point in time, all the I mean everything happens in Jerusalem. But in the middle of Jerusalem is the temple. And the temple is a city size. And the young boy walks with his parents and everything holds his interest. He keeps up for the first few days. And then while they are in the process of the offerings, the sacrifices and everything else, they don't realize that the young man is not with them. They feel relatively safe because they are part of a caravan. They might think, that, oh, he must be with his auntie, a friend, or the person that came from our town. They actually finish everything they're doing at that particular feast and they leave Jerusalem, assuming that the young man is in the convoy. After one or two days, his mom, mother starts looking for him amongst their friends and family and they don't find him. They walk back, they realize We've left him behind. And this is that amazing child of promise. They turn around and they go back to Jerusalem, separated from their friends and family, and the walk back is different. This time it is two people who totally believe God looking for their son. They walk back into Jerusalem. They find themselves going through the same streets, the same places. Jerusalem has changed. It's no longer a festival. It's no longer a season. The streets look bigger. The places look darker. They go three days and they don't find him. They eventually find themselves at the temple. And in the middle of the temple, there is a group of teachers. Committed people who sit and talk about the things of the law. And lo and behold, in the middle of Of that group of teachers is their 13-year-old son. They walk up to him and you know the normal response and it's recorded in Luke chapter 2. If you read it from verses 40 to 52, you realize Mary walks up to him and she says, Why have you done this to us? Why? You see, teenagers are an amazing group of people. Why have you done this to us? We have been sorrowing. We've been looking for you for three days. And he makes a statement. As young people have a way of making a statement, assuming that you have been in their thought process for the last 14 days. And he says, did you not realize that I should be about my father's business? His eyes are gleaming and he's standing. He's realized something, something has happened to him. He's discovered something about himself that has changed his life. And he thinks, yes, this is why I'm here. Everything changes and he's jumping up and down and he then realizes, wait, you're not as excited as I am. His mother and his father smile. In their silence, he realizes something has changed. And he pauses. And the Bible says that the phrase used is they did not understand what he was saying. Not that they did not know. Not that they did not realize, but they did not understand that particular moment. Jesus realized that, you know what? Best to go home. The Bible referred to him as a child up to that point. They said the child Jesus, the child Jesus, the child Jesus. But the moment his parents turned to go back to Nazareth, the Bible refers to him as Jesus. Effectively, he is grown up. He goes back with them to Nazareth, realizing that everything they were talking about in the temple, everything they were talking about that I've heard about the Messiah, the one who will come and save Israel, they're actually talking about me. He goes home. And the assumption would be that his parents would place him on a pedestal, speak to him about Israel every day, let him be and do what he wants to do, But that's not the case. The Bible says the following about Jesus. The Bible says he goes back to Nazareth and he is submitted to them. And the Bible says they cause him to grow into a carpenter. They train him in his father's profession He becomes a part of the community as far away from being a messiah as you can imagine. But the Bible ends Luke 2 with this phrase. And Jesus grew in favor and in stature with God and with man. And then the Bible leaves him alone. 18 years of absolute silence pass. We do not see Jesus again until he is 30 years old. At 30 years old, he's reintroduced into our consciousness. He comes to find his cousin, John the Baptist. He comes to find him and he walks up to him. And John the Baptist sees him. And John the Baptist has just finished telling everybody there that, listen, the one that comes after me, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's different. I can't even undo his shoes. John the Baptist's eyes are flaring. He's been working in his ministry, crazy ministry. And Jesus walks up to him. And John the Baptist thinks, there you are gotcha at last Jesus says baptize me and John the Baptist says wait 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 I don't need to baptize you you have a baptism that we need and Jesus responds as follows he says let It be done this way, so that we may fulfill all righteousness. He doesn't make a scene. He doesn't make a sound. And he doesn't change the process. He quietly submits to baptism. Because something about him has changed. The Bible records Jesus goes into the water and comes out and only John sees what happens next. The Holy Spirit alights like a dove in the form of a dove comes down and rests on Jesus. And then God speaks audibly. And God says, This is my beloved Son. And he makes a statement. He then says, in whom I am well pleased. And the rest, they say, is history. Pop quiz. What had Jesus done that warmed the heart of God? The challenge is, there are a lot of us in the room and online. I would love your answers, but let me throw a few. Let me give you the answer. What had Jesus done that really, in our minds, would please God? Let me clarify you what he had not done. Nobody blind had had their eyes opened. Nobody dead had been raised from the dead. Nobody had been saved. Nobody had been changed. No miracle had happened. Nothing. Nothing that we see for the next three and a half years of his life that we celebrate. Nothing. But he had done one thing. And God said, That's what I was looking for. And it was this He had prepared for a tomorrow that was invisible when he was 13. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus at 30 steps into a turnaround. He steps into a ministry that changes the world. But he had been prepared for it. All Jesus had done that attracted the acknowledgement of God was go through a process of preparation. And God audibly said, this is my beloved son. Why did I tell you that story? It's this. You are standing in a season where God is about to change everything. But he has Prepared you for it, and He is preparing you for it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the turnaround you're looking for will show up. Why? Because God is faithful. Whether or not it will do and be everything you want it to be is going to be determined by whether or not you walk in his process of preparation. And ladies and gentlemen, the value of preparation is what you just see. Because after that moment in Jesus' life, as it will be in yours... You do realize Jesus never went back to being a carpenter. His life changed forever. Do we agree? Fine. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to briefly introduce you to maybe four concepts of preparation. There are quite a few. We have the entire year, so we're going to have a lot of fun explaining this. So let's have a look at the first few things. The first thing that I want you to understand about preparation is, it is God's desire to prepare you. How does God prepare you? How would he do it? Let me run through a few ways. Number one, primary, as you've already heard, is he will always prepare you through his word. Whenever God wants to get something done in your life, he will prepare you through his word. When God wants to point you to a season that is unfamiliar. He will point you through his word. Turning your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19. I will read. The Bible says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The primary method that God uses to prepare you for a tomorrow that is unfamiliar is his word. Are we together? Primary method. When God wants to put something on your inside, he will invariably take you to his word. You've heard that this morning quite a few times. The second thing I want you to remember, ladies and gentlemen, and this may not be as popular, his word we understand. Bible, so understand, We're going to talk about that in a moment. But the second thing I want you to understand about God wanting you prepared is how does he do it? The first one is your word. The second one I want you to write down is God will prepare you through your circumstances. That means the circumstances that you have gone through ladies and gentlemen, have been the tools that God is preparing you with for a tomorrow that you may not be able to see yet. When we look at, or when you hear a testimony, you realize you are hearing a summary of a life of faithfulness. A life of faithfulness. So how does God prepare you through your circumstances? For Ruth to value, and let me use Ruth as an example. The Bible says in Ruth, the book of Ruth starts, and I will only summarize Ruth chapter 1, really from verses 1 to 5, and then I'll, I'll, only, I'll show you one more, then I'll move on. But your circumstances, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, effectively is a tragedy. The Bible says a man named Elimelech leaves Israel, goes to Moab, and he takes his two sons and his wife. Elimelech dies. His sons, Marlon and Chilion, they then take wives, both of them. One of them is called Oprah. One of them is called Ruth. And they start life. And then Marlon and Chilion die. And so now you have three widows left to themselves. And the assumption would be, this has to be a tragedy. But hear me well. Sometimes God will increase the value of what you need the most by ensuring its absence. And so when you... Listen to Toyos' testimony, as she said in very eloquent words, when you listen to Ife's testimony, as he said in many eloquent words, you realize there's no way that Ife's value of education is going to be average. Why? He fought for it. So, how do we know? So, his education, him becoming a lawyer, him and going through Warwick, him going on to a remarkable law firm, him becoming a voice for someone else, you do realize that he's going to become something because God has increased the value of his education by virtue of what he has gone through. Toyos's story is over 30 years long. And I won't try and tell it to you now, but you do realize. Her value for health and well-being is higher than the average person. Why? Because she's gone through hell. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, God will prepare you for your tomorrow by virtue of your circumstances. So let me say this very carefully. Not all your circumstances are hell-formed. Sometimes God will allow it to be difficult simply because he wants to build something in you. Are we together? The last thing I will say, I, I've got about nine points. I'm only going to pick on one more. And this is, this is really important because we, we heard it. And the th- third thing I want you to understand about God's method of preparing you is this. God will invariably prepare you by the people he sends into your life. Or vice versa. Meaning, the relationships that God causes to happen to you, ladies and gentlemen, are his tools for shaping your tomorrow. Some of those relationships are beneficial. Some of those relationships are a nightmare. Both of them are going to create in you the kind of person that God wants in your tomorrow. Let me give you an example. Turning your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. 1 Kings chapter 19, Verses 19 to 21. And the Bible says the following, speaking about Elijah. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Let me stop reading there. Ladies and gentlemen, you do realize Elisha's life was never the same after that encounter. Do we agree? And this was beneficial. And so we realize Elijah and Elisha need each other. Elijah finds him, casts his mantle upon him, and the rest say is history. Elisha goes on to do twice as many miracles, complete the work of Elijah. You do, it's something special. Sometimes relationships are like that. But let me tell you about two or three more. You do realize, well you may not, but I'll, I'll point it out. Another person you're going to hear about this year a lot is Joseph. Joseph's relationships with Potiphar, Egypt, and Potiphar's wife were all part of God's plan to shape him into the person he wanted him to be. You may say, but Potiphar was his jailer. Potiphar was his slave master. Potiphar bought him in a market. How can that be beneficial? How can Potiphar's wife, who tripped the man up, got him locked up for nothing, how can that be beneficial? How can that be beneficial? Wait, this is the kind of thing we spend vigils on. God, slaughter my boss. I need a breakthrough. Okay, send him to Antarctica. Deliver me, oh God. And we are hot on those prayers. Listen to me very carefully. Let me ask you a question. What language, and I'm happy for you to shout out, what language did Joseph interpret Pharaoh's dreams in? He did not Speak Hebrew. When he stood before Pharaoh. He was accepted. Because he was dressed like an Egyptian. Looked like an Egyptian. Spoke perfect Egyptian. And he understood the royalty of Egypt. All of which he learnt in trouble. So you must understand the relationships that God has sent into your life are either building you. Some of them will be positive, but some of them will be a nightmare. But this is how God builds character. And so ladies and gentlemen, God will shape you into who you are through your relationships. God's focus of preparation is singular. It's singular. Now, I'm not necessarily rushing to finish and I can't finish today, no, 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 no. But let me point out God's focus of preparation. God's focus of preparation in you is not your circumstances and it is definitely not your enemies. The Bible says in Psalm 23, reading from verses five, The Bible says God will prepare you a table in the presence of your what? Meaning your enemies are not his problem. So asking for their removal is not your focus. Key element. What is God's focus in the area of preparation? It's very simple. It is threefold. God, when he puts you through preparation, he is building one thing and one thing only. And that is character. You see, character is the ability to carry and execute a gift. The gift is not God's problem. But character is his challenge. Character is made up of three things. What you believe, what you decide, and how you think. And when God takes you through a process of preparation, He will change the way you believe, the way you decide, and the way you think. The reason I say so, ladies and gentlemen, is key. The reason I say so is because God is building character. And the Bible says the character that God is building in you is singular. He is building in you His. He's trying to transfer into your life, through your relationship with Him, Him. So that when you speak, when you think, and when you act, it is Him that is acting. So you can get the results that He gets. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason I'm so emphatic about it is this. The process of of preparation will invariably change the way you believe. Belief is not a gift, it's a process. Belief is built over time. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, reading from verse 17, the Bible speaks about that process that that faith comes by hearing hearing. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is not momentary, it is processional. That means it is repetitive. And when God is preparing you, he's shaping your character. The gift is not the problem. Character is. We will break this down over the next few months. But let me end today like this, with some good news. And I have pages of stuff, but let me end like this. Before I come to my conclusion, permit me, ladies and gentlemen, to speak to a generation that is slightly younger. And it is this, the greatest act of faith a young person can take is to prepare for a future that is currently invisible. You see, your youth is given to you so you can shape what tomorrow will look like. As you walk with God, He will reveal to you who you are why you are and what you are here for which will change how you interact with everybody else around you how do I know that look at Jesus Christ when Jesus speaks to his parents at the beginning of his story he presents to them information didn't you realize this is who I am I've just discovered it, it is information and the focus of information many times is you by the time he speaks to John the Baptist 18 years later he doesn't give John the Baptist information. He gives him revelation. And he reveals to him, this is why we are both here. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is only about our father. And the Bible says history changes in one moment. One moment. Last point and I'm done. Preparation, ladies and gentlemen, why are we speaking about preparation? It is this. Preparation will always be rewarded. Let me repeat myself. Preparation for a tomorrow that God sees will invariably be rewarded. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. The process you are in now will not fall to the ground. Why? Because God does not fail. I'll give you some examples and I'll stop. We see Ruth walk into our lives in a tragedy. She goes through a process of preparation to come back to an event that had failed before. And this time, when she gets married, history changes. We see Joseph come out of a season of preparation. His desire is to go home. His desire is, I've tried, it's enough. He is presented to exactly the same situation that had caused his pain previously, and history changes. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. This process will not fail. Why? because it is governed by one person. The Bible says, and this is my end. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, John chapter 14, verse 26, the Bible says, for the comforter, when he comes, he will do what? The Bible says the following. Teach you all things. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit leads you through this season, he will teach you all things. That means he won't only tell you. That's a lecturer. A teacher will prepare you for what's coming next do we agree and so ladies and gentlemen because your teacher is the holy spirit this process will not fail and ladies and gentlemen if you happen to be in the room and you don't know jesus christ started walking with him, walking in who he is and what he is. Let me present him to you in simple faith. The Bible is very clear. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, I will make an exchange with you. I've paid the price of your sins. I went to the cross. I've been to hell. I've risen again and I'm seated at the hand of the Father. And I'm going to make an exchange with you. I will give you my life in exchange for yours. You say, how can that be? It's simple. Just pray a simple prayer. Where you ask Jesus to come into your life. And be Lord of your life. And he says. I'll do the rest. For once you pray that prayer. The Bible says you are safe. Saved. And removed from harm. Wherever you are in the world. If that's you. Please say that prayer right now. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. And the process. Will. Will begin and so let us end in prayer my father and my God I pray in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that as we stand on the edge of the season that will change our lives forever I ask the following my father That may the Holy Spirit, as detailed by you, do all that you said he will do. May he teach, may he lead, but most of all, may he change us so that we are just like you. And as we walk into tomorrow, Father, Lord, let your people make history. We worship you and we adore you, my Father. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you.